When the angel appeared to the Virgin Mary, this is what the angel said to her on the screen. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. Say the last phrase with me. His kingdom will never end. God will give Jesus the throne of David, and his kingdom will never end. Faith in Christ puts you in Christ's kingdom. When you give your heart to Jesus Christ, you give your heart to a king. To a king. And so the first question you and I need to ask ourselves is, is Christ the king of my life? Do I believe in the birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection and coming again of Jesus Christ the King? Am I in the kingdom? And it's really a question of the heart. Because when I place my faith and trust in Christ, I give my heart, I give my allegiance to a king. Now, when you give your heart to a king, can you say no to the king? And the answer is no. Because saying no to a king is rebellion. No to the king is disobedience. No to the king is anarchy. You say yes to the king. But Christ does not call us to a stiff-necked, begrudging obedience. He's not looking for a yes through clenched teeth. He's looking for a yes that comes out of a surrendered heart. One day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the King. Every tongue, every knee. And some of those knees will bow and some tongues will confess out of a surrendered heart full of love for Christ the King. Some knees will bow, some tongues will confess because they have been broken into submission by the king. And that's the question we all face in this life. Am I going to accept Christ as king willingly, freely, lovingly now? Or am I going to continue to live in rebellion now and then profess him as king under duress? And the difference between bowing now and bowing then is the difference between rejoicing in heaven and suffering in hell. I mean, the ramifications are huge. Now, how can you tell if you have said yes to the king? How can you tell when Christ has captured your heart, captured your allegiance? How can you tell? Your heart is broken by the things that break the heart of God. That's how you tell. What, what Christ loves, I must love. What, what moves Christ must move me. What is it that breaks the heart of Christ? Matthew 9, 36, it says this about, about Christ. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. His heart was broken for them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When Christ looked out at people, it just broke his heart. Why? Because they're harassed. They're, they're helpless. They, they have no shepherd. It should break your heart to see people living harassed and helpless, people living without guidance, without provision, without protection. That's what it means to live without a shepherd. 
That's what needs to break your heart because it breaks Christ's heart. It moves him to compassion. It compels him to action. Now, what action did Christ take? What does Christ do as he looks out at these crowds that are harassed and helpless and he looks at them with a broken heart? Does he say, bring them to me and I'll care for them? Does he say, bring them to me and I'll solve all their problems? Does he say, bring them to me and I'll meet all their needs? It's not what he says. Look what he says. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Christ looks out at the crowds of needy people. He's moved with compassion. And what does he do? He tells his disciples to pray that God will raise up other people to meet the needs of of these people. Christ wants you and me to meet the needs of those people. It's like the time that the multitudes uh, had gathered to hear Christ preach, and at the end of the day, the disciples said, Lord, we need to send these people home. They need to go find some food. Uh, They're hungry. And Jesus said to the disciples, no, you feed them. You feed them. And then Jesus took the few fish and the few loaves of bread that they had, and he blessed it, and he gave it to the disciples, and the disciples fed them. Jesus didn't feed them. The disciples fed them. Now, here's the problem. Too many people in the church who claim Christ is king aren't trusting Christ for guidance, provision, and protection. Too many people in the church aren't obeying the king. They aren't doing what the king says to do. So instead of being able to step out in the power of Christ to make a difference in the lives of other people, these believers are living harassed and helpless lives themselves. There's no difference between how they're living and how the lost people are living around them. There's no way the believers can help their neighbors because the believer's life is just as crummy as their neighbor's. Instead of being able to be workers in the harvest field for the king, our disobedient, undisciplined lives make us powerless to help anybody else, even ourselves. When I give my heart to the king, My heart must be broken by the things that break the heart of God. I must let Christ take my cold, dead, stony, disobedient, selfish, willful heart and break it. I must submit my will to the will of the king. Now, how do I know what the will of the king is? Well, we discover the king's will as we study the Bible. It's in God's word that you find the purpose for your life. It's in God's Word that you find your instruction. God's Word gives you your marching orders. God's Word gives you God's decrees that you are to follow. The Bible gives us the King's commands. Your entire life and ministry must be based upon God's commands. God has revealed His plan for you personally and, and for the building of His kingdom in the world. Right here. Right here. Let's read this next verse together. Read this out loud. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You want to be thoroughly equipped 
to do what the king wants you to do? Find it in God's word. I find the answers for how to live my life. I find God's expectations for my life and ministry. Uh, the Bible provides me with examples and strategies for me to follow so I can impact others for Christ. But the king's commands are not just to be read, they're to be obeyed. The king expects obedience. You say yes to a king. Now, as Americans, we have a history of saying no to a king. I mean, our country was founded by virtue of a revolution where we said no to a king. And it, 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 it permeates in our culture, in our movies, in our legends, in our stories. We revere the rebel more than we revere the king. We love the anti-hero who resists authority. We celebrate the rebel who goes his own way. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. It's not how it works in the kingdom of God. Jesus said in John 14, if people love me, they will obey my teaching. Those who do not love me do not obey my teaching. You know, lots of people say they love Jesus. Lots of people pretend they love Jesus. Lots of people intend to love Jesus. But Jesus says the acid test of your love for him is, do you obey his commands? If you obey his commands, then you love him. If you don't obey his commands, doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter what you pretend, doesn't matter what you intend. He says, you don't love me, it's that simple. So, what are the commands that we're supposed to obey? In the Bible, there are two passages that are, every Christian calls them great. It's the great commandment and the great commission. Uh, let, let's, let's read them together out loud here. The, first, the great commandment. Man came to Jesus one day and said, Lord, out of all the commandments, what's the greatest one? Here we go. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus says, if you want to sum up the whole Old Testament, all the law, all the prophets, you can sum it up in two sentences. Love God, love your neighbor. Great commandment. Great commission. Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven. He's giving his disciples their marching orders for what they're supposed to do while he's gone. Then Jesus came to them and said, uh, read it with me. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I want to just stop there and notice, all authority in heaven and on earth. That's the king deal here. I mean, Jesus has the authority to tell you to do this. He's the king. He's telling you what to do. You got to say yes to the king. Let's keep reading. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I mean, Jesus couldn't have made this any clearer. He couldn't have made it any clearer what he wants you to do. If he had rung your doorbell, walked into your living room, sat down on your couch, pulled the remote and Cheetos out of your hand and said, this is what I want you to do. Couldn't have been any clearer. And what's in these verses? Five things. First, love the Lord your God. That's worship. Love your neighbor. Ministry. Go preach the gospel. Evangelism. Baptize believers. That's fellowship. Teach 
to obey Christ. That's discipleship. These are the commands of the king. You want to know what God wants you to do? There it is, right there. It's all summed up for you. And a healthy disciple obeys and keeps all five of these purposes in balance. Because the goal here is not partial obedience. The goal isn't to look over the list of five, pick out the two I really like, and then do them a whole lot. No. That's partial obedience. And God desires complete obedience. Because God knows that health, spiritual growth, spiritual maturity comes from doing all five. Reward is found in complete and full obedience to all five purposes. Now, folks, that's the micro purpose. That, that, that's the personal purpose. Today, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to jump to the macro purpose that God is up to in our world. I mean, what is the big thing that God is up to in the world? And I just want to be clear, it, it, it's not that Jesus wants to be your king. Jesus Christ is your king. It's not that he wants to be. He is your king. You just need to realize it and receive him as king. It's not that Jesus Christ wants to be the king over all the earth. Jesus Christ is the king over all the earth. The people of the earth just need to realize it and receive him as king. God has had the plan in place from the very beginning for that to happen. God has a plan for earth to receive her king. He's on top of this. And he's been, been working at this. And the cool thing is he invites you and me to play a part. He invites you and me to participate in that process of receiving Christ as king. Let's take a look at this. On your notes on the screen. God's macro purpose was God, God has a plan to bless all the nations of the earth through the nation of Israel. God promised that to Abraham 4,000 years ago. And God is still keeping his promise. God said, and through your offspring, all the nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. One man, Abraham, obeyed God, and God is blessing the whole world through him and his descendants. This truth was pointed out to Pharaoh. The, the ten plagues in the book of Exodus, remember the frogs, the flies, the lice, the boils, the blood, the locusts, the death of the firstborn child... What was God's motive behind all of that? You know, Pharaoh was stubborn, wouldn't let the Israelites go. Why didn't God just kill him and be done with it? Look at this, Exodus 9. God says, I have let you live for this reason, to show you my power so that my name will be talked about in all the earth. Joshua says he did, did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful. This happened way back in 1400 B.C. And still today, all over the world, on Easter weekend, Passover weekend, they show the Ten Commandments movie. All over the world uh, on Passover weekend. We tell this story. Why? Because it's a compelling story of a great God. And God uses it every year to tell all the nations how great he is. This truth is modeled by Israel. After Moses receives the Ten Commandments from God, what's the motivation that he gave Israel to obey? He says, obey these laws carefully. Why? To show the other nations that you have wisdom and understanding. 
Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you. Israel wasn't to obey just for their own benefit. They were to obey so that they would be an example, a model for the whole world. You know why God wants you to obey his commands? Because you are an example. You are a model to the world. The church is a model to all the nations of what it means to obey the king. God had this all planned. He had it planned from the beginning. It says, when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, he divided mankind. God established all these nations, all these people groups. And he fixed the orders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. By his great power, the Lord rules forever. He watches every movement of the nations. God watches every movement of the nations. Listen, when God starts moving big groups of people around, 11 million immigrants here, 6 million immigrants there, God starts moving big people groups around, he's up to something. And what he's up to is making Jesus Christ the king of all the earth. This is proclaimed in the Old Testament. It says, tell every nation on earth that the Lord is wonderful and does marvelous things. Tell all people about his glory and tell all the nations about his miracles. Tell everyone of every nation, praise the glorious power of the Lord and announce to the nations, the Lord is king. Well, who's doing all this telling? It's us. Okay? Let the whole world know what he has done. This movement of God among the nations, it was predicted by Solomon. It says, people who are not Israelites, foreigners from other lands, will hear about your greatness and power. Then people everywhere will know you and respect you, just as your people in Israel do. May the Lord remember this prayer and these petitions I've made so that all the nations of the world will know that the Lord is God. Solomon was the greatest, richest, wisest king who ever lived. Compared to Solomon, kings and presidents of our day, the Caesars of Rome, the Tsars of Russia, they're all pikers compared to Solomon. And Solomon knew that it wasn't about him ruling and reigning over Israel. He knew it was about God ruling and reigning over the earth. Solomon's father, King David, pondered this truth in the Psalms. He says, be quiet and know that I am God. I will be supreme over all the nations. It's prophesied by the prophets. Zephaniah, one day the Lord will destroy all the false gods of land and the nations on every shore will worship him, everyone in its own land. Isaiah, he's talking about, about the Messiah. He says, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. I mean, it's the purpose of the Messiah. It says, look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one. He, he will bring justice to the nations. This is Jesus. He'll bring justice to the nations. He will not stop until truth and righteousness prevail throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea. Well, who's that? <laughs> Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. He will be a light to guide all nations to me. Purpose was commissioned by Jesus. Go, make disciples of all nations. Practiced by the first disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It says, and, and, and. It doesn't say then, then, then. It's all over. 
It was purposed by God. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. At that time, the new king from the family of Jesse, that's Jesus, will stand as a banner for all peoples. The nations will come together around him. This gospel will be preached to all the world. Then the end will come. If you're longing for Jesus to come back, you better be busy preaching the gospel. It's it's praised in heaven. And now I saw a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language standing before the throne. And they sang a new song. You are worthy, Lord, because with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. That's God's macro purpose. He wants every tribe, every tongue, every nation to know him and to glorify him. So, I've got the micro purpose of fulfilling God's command in my life. And I've got the macro purpose of Christ being received as king. How, how do I bring those two together? How do the micro purpose and macro purpose fit together? One day Jesus' disciples were, were, were talking to him. Jesus was talking about the end times and what's going to happen. Actually, they said, what, what's going to happen? How, how, what do we do? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Deceivers, false messiahs, wars and rumors of wars. Nation rising against nation. Famines and earthquakes. Any of that sound familiar? Yeah, it gets worse. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. In light of the micro purpose God has for my life and the macro purpose he has in the world, what do I do? Four things. Number one, the first thing I need to do is pay attention. I need to pay attention. Now, let me tell you what I do not mean by pay attention. I don't mean you need to watch the news and listen to talk radio. Okay? I just, I mean, you, yes, you need to be informed. But you need to understand that in, in today's day, you don't get informed by the news and talk radio. You just get indoctrinated and irritated. Okay? I mean, seriously, have you ever been in the paper or been on TV I mean, I, I, I've, in a few times in my life, I've, I've been in the paper. And uh, one time I was on TV. And I've had friends and other people that I know that, that have had that happen to them. And I'll just tell you, not once, not once did they ever get the story 100% correct. And, and sometimes they got the story seriously wrong. 
And so you just need to know, you can't go off half-cocked because of something that you read in the paper or see on TV or hear on talk radio or is posted on Facebook. Because there's a very, very, very good possibility it's not true. It's not true. You know, if you pay attention, you will realize that most headlines are lies. You read the headline, and then you read the article, and you think, hey, wait a minute. That's not what happened. And if you know the people and you know the story, you know that's really not what happened. So you've got to be really, really careful about that. Next, I'm not saying that you should immerse yourself in Bible prophecy. Now, I think every believer ought to study Bible prophecy. You need to get a feel for the scope and sequence of God's great prophetic plan. You know, if you've never done that, I heartily encourage you to do that because that helps you understand the truth and you can see what's happening and then you won't be deceived. But I would not encourage you to immerse yourself in Bible prophecy. Because I've I, I just have noticed over the years that when people start doing that, they start seeing a conspiracy behind every circumstance and the Antichrist behind every bush. The purpose of prophecy is to give us hope, not to make us paranoid and afraid. And Jesus, Jesus said that we are to occupy until he comes, not be preoccupied with his coming. When Christ ascended into heaven, the disciples are standing there on the, on the Mount of Olives and they're looking up and they're wondering, okay, he, where'd he go? What's he doing? When's he coming back? What's happening? And they're standing there and two angels show up and shoo them away. And tell, don't stand here you know, wondering when he's coming back. Go do what he told you to do. That's what we're supposed to do. So what I am encouraging you to do is to pay attention to what God wants you to do. God's plan for every nation is in this book. That's the macro purpose. God's plan for your life is in this book. That's the micro purpose. And you need to start paying attention to what God says for you to do in his word. You need to take his commands seriously and obey them. Listen, you will be amazed at what God is telling you personally to do in this book when you start paying attention. Pay attention. Number two, one of the first things Jesus is going to tell you to do is pray. Pray. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus looks around and says, man, the need is great. We need more people to help. Pray that God's going to raise up workers. And Jesus' strategy for becoming the king of the earth is for you and me to pray him into power, for you and me to pray him into that position. So starting Monday, January 4th, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, we're going to begin the new year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. We did this back in August. We're going to do it again uh, in January. We're changing it up a little bit because you guys love it when we change things. So we're going to change it up a little bit. And uh, we're going to do it in the worship center uh, instead of in the youth room because we're going to have live, live worship for some of it. And uh, we're only going to do it at 6 in the morning. In, in August, we did it at 6 in the morning, 6 in the evening. And surprisingly, we had 10 times as many people show up in the morning as we did in the evening. So we're just going to focus on that, that 6 a.m. time slot. And we're also going to emphasize fasting more this time. So I want to encourage you right now, January 4th to the 24th, set your alarm so you can get up here by 6 a.m., 
Come up here. We'll teach you how to pray. We'll teach you how to fast. And God's going to raise up some workers for the harvest. Because we're going we're to say yes to the king. We're going to pray. Number three, you and I need to persevere. Jesus warns us that in the end times, people's love will grow cold. In fact, he says most. Most. Their faith is going to falter. They won't finish well. And I tell you, I see this happening all around us today. I mean, people are giving up on God and walking away from the church. I see couples who've been married for years give up on their marriage and their family and walk away. Why? Because their heart's grown cold. Their faith is, is weak. They're falling away. And God's not surprised by that. God told us that it would happen. But he warns us, don't let it happen to you. Don't let it happen to you. You need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, when you've done the will of God, not your will, not I got to do what's best for me. No, when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. We need to persevere. Number four, you and I also need to participate. Participate. Rockwork, we do four things to accomplish God's five purposes. We're, we're, we are a laser-focused church. We do four things. We do weekend worship services. And you just need to be faithful in attending weekend worship. You need to come to a service faithfully every weekend, and you need to bring somebody with you. It's one of the micro and macro purposes of God, worship. It's one of the reasons why you're still alive, is so you can come up here and, and worship and bring somebody with you. We do small groups. Our small group sign-ups are, are happening right now. We've got groups for kids teens, students, men, women, couples, mixed groups. You just need to pick out a group, get plugged into a group for the spring semester. Third thing we do is growth track. Growth track is discipleship. It's teaching people to obey what Christ has commanded. And growth track, we do it every Sunday afternoon. And so the first Sunday in January, not today, but next week, the first Sunday in January, we're going to offer 101 Church. And that's just our basic class that helps you to get connected with Christ through salvation and connected with the church through membership. And then on the second Sunday of January, we offer 201 Essentials, and that's where we teach you how to read your Bible, how to pray, how to give, how to connect with God and his people, so you can be spiritually healthy and grow. Third Sunday of each month, we offer 301 Discovery, and that's where we help you discover your spiritual gifts, your personality, and your passion for ministry. So you can find a place to work in the harvest. So you can find a place to serve in the ministry here at Rockbrook. Fourth Sunday of the month, we offer 401 Dream Team. Dream Team's the fourth thing, thing that we do. That's all the teams that make all the ministry happen around here. And we'll get you plugged into one of those teams, and we'll get you off of the bench and into the game. Why? Why do we do all that? Because God calls you to participate. Look at this verse. 1 Corinthians 12, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. All of you together, that's, that's every believer on planet earth, are Christ's body. Each of you is a part of it. For God to accomplish his macro purpose of Christ becoming king over all the earth, he needs to accomplish the micro purpose of Christ becoming the king in your heart. All, all believers all over the earth are mysteriously connected to Christ's body. I mean, it's an amazing thing. Folks, it's a truly staggering thing when you really begin to ponder that. 
that all believers everywhere are part of Christ's body. And so when you, as a part of Christ's body, when you fail to grow to full health and maturity in Christ, it diminishes the body of Christ. It diminishes the purposes of God. It truly does. Because you're a part of the body. You know, in your body, when one cell becomes unhealthy, it puts the whole body at risk. One, one cell puts the whole body at risk. So your spiritual health and growth and development, it doesn't just affect you. It affects the whole church. And it affects not just the church here. It affects the church everywhere. That's why the Bible spends so much time encouraging you to receive and obey the king. Because the ramifications have a far greater effect than you can, uh, I can, can even comprehend. So pay attention, pray, persevere, and participate. Show up on the weekend. Bring somebody with you. Get in a small group. Take somebody with you. Come to Growth Track. Bring somebody with you. Get on a dream team. Take somebody with you. It's what the king who loves you enough that he gave his life for you, commands you to do. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you so much for your wisdom. We thank you that you care about us, that you love us enough that your son came to die for us. We thank you that Christ loves us enough that his heart's broken. And that in your wisdom, you have created a plan You have created a plan to meet our needs and to bring glory to your name all over the earth. And that plan is the church, the body of Christ. God, help us, help each one of us today to make the decision to give our heart to the king. And God, as we give you our heart, may we say yes to your commands. May we find our place in the battle. May we find our our part in the body and get plugged in and grow and serve and do all we can because it's what you've made us to do. We ask it in Jesus' name.